0: Welcome to Making the Turn, the premier green industry podcast that highlights professionals across many areas, including golf course management, sports turf, sales, business, education, landscaping, and more. Making the Turn is hosted by me, BJ Parker. I've spent nearly 25 years in the green industry, mostly as a golf course superintendent, and now I want to bring the knowledge and insight from myself and the many people I've met and continue to meet along the way. Making the Turn will provide valuable content for those looking to learn from others, gain useful tips and tricks, and be better in their daily lives. You can find Making the Turn on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps keep the podcast growing and getting better. Thanks for listening, and welcome to another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Making the Turn. I'm your host, BJ Parker, and I appreciate you joining me. And I'll tell you this one of the cool things about um, doing this podcast and starting this is. You get to talk to a lot of cool people And you get to meet a lot of cool people And uh, today is no exception I have the chance to sit down with someone who's in town uh, Wanted to get on uh, Wanted to have him on the podcast for a long time And he's going to be speaking At our Tennessee Turfgrass Association So when you hear this you probably have already heard him speak But uh, David Elliott, what's happening my brother? What's going on brother? Man, I appreciate you doing this Very good Welcome to Tennessee Uh, Welcome back (laughs) Welcome back to Tennessee
1: Uh, So glad to be back
0: Yeah, well um, you're in town for the Tennessee turf grass what they got you doing
1: so I'll be the closing ceremony Wednesday night or Wednesday morning before everybody has to go back home so I get the uh, playoff music I get the standing ovation everybody's happy that it's over so heck yeah I just do the pictures and stories I don't need the none of the golf nerd stuff
0: yeah well like I said um We'll probably put this out kind of after you uh, have taken the stage and done your final farewells, but uh, it's good to have you here, man. It's good to meet you. Uh, Appreciate you coming up and saying hi and wanting to do this. I enjoy doing these podcasts and sitting down with people and and just uh, shooting the bull and all that good stuff, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Have a little fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get to listen to them every single day while I'm at work, so... It's cool I finally get to be yeah. on one.
0: Do you listen to a lot of podcasts in general or turf podcasts? What is your. Uh,
1: it mainly right now, I'm a huge basketball fan, so yeah. I stay with, you know, like knuckleheads and all the smoke, but mainly it's like you, no lane up, going yeah. uh, with Cold Nose and Drew Stoltz. Yeah. You know, that, but. Just a good rotation between all those.
0: Heck yeah. I, I'm trying, uh, like I was telling you before we started recording, a goal this year is to get the podcast going back again. Uh, I want to do about 30, which is about two a month. Uh, I feel like that's doable. Uh, I really do. And this is a fun. Uh, thing to do it's something that uh, I feel like our industry needs uh, not just to talk about our industry but to talk about the people in it and their stories and to get their you know advice and get their word out there and just have fun be the you know be our version of you know what Joe Rogan does on a smaller scale or you know just not to use him as an example because I don't—I will never be that, I don't think. But you know, just to you know, have something for our guys to listen to, gals, and to enjoy it, and to have something that we can just talk about. And you know, never really gotten into the to the current events or any of that sort of stuff, and don't know that I will. But just in individually and having fun talking about our industry, the things that uh, that we got going on, and some of the cool things that are happening, man. I that's that's really my goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love these because you know most people or a lot of guys work for clubs just because of the club, but all, most of the majority of the industry works for people. Yeah. And this is a great way to introduce yourself to people yeah. and know, let them know what you're about and yep. who they're getting.
0: So that's a good segue. I, you know, one of the things I like to do is try to let people say kind of what their story is and how that, you know, all came about. So, for people that don't know you, especially me, you know, how did it all begin? Where, where, how did the love of being in the golf business and what are you, you know, where are you at now? Kind of, kind of, give us a little, you know, bird's eye view of David Elliott and where he, where it all came from.
1: Okay, so it might be a little long-winded. So That's all
0: right. I'll, I'll stop you if we need to.
1: Okay, so I grew up about 15 miles south of Lexington in a little town called Wilmore, Kentucky, and I grew up on a tobacco, hay, and cattle farm. Yeah. So the Manual labor and hard work was always just second nature to me. I always loved being outside. I mean I'm a 6'2", 225, former end. You look head. like
0: you could ball a little so, bit So yeah, on the court. like
1: it was like I was just like me and my wife are just like perfect breeding stock yeah. for like either good hand-eye coordination sports or manual labor. Yeah. So um, growing up there and you know, always playing sports, loved sports, always loved Watching people compete or yeah. competing myself growing up, you know we instead of doing your typical vacation to Daytona, Panama, whatever, we were going to a different baseball park every Fourth of July and eighteen of them yeah. so far. So loved like watching. major league yeah. ball, yeah. So always loved watching big sports. Loved watching you know figuring out the infrastructure behind it. Mm-hmm. Like how does this huge show go on? There's nine. There's eighteen guys out there playing right. But what's going on behind the scenes? Who, so that's, that always intrigued me right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And if I couldn't be one, then I might as well work for them. Right. So you know, I grew up in 4-H and FFA, always love agriculture and sports at the same time. So that led me into sports turf where we took a field trip to UK. And I met Marcus Dean for the first time. And I was like, well, who are you? this is your job. You get to take care of all these sports fields (laughs) for a living and it's UK. Like sign me up. What do I got to do to do this? And from there on, I took a turf management class in high school in FFA and just kept on pursuing it. And that took me to Moorhead state university where I could also play football and pursue turf at the same time. It wasn't good enough for Western or Eastern or (laughs) Kentucky. So, uh, after two years of that and you know, grinding on the football field and trying to do turf, it was like uh, the declining grade point average. I don't know, man. Right. Uh, you got, you're a victim of the white man's disease. You got to get out of the game. <laughs> so I uh, went back home, but in between Moorhead and Kentucky, I took an internship for the Milwaukee Brewers to finally see what it was like, because that's what Mr. Dean said I should do, right. Try to get internship as high as I can go, and uh, did that. It was super fun getting to see you know the big dudes right up close, getting to set up BP and sit behind home plate. Yeah. As, you know, seeing John Carlos stand, his forearms look like coffee cans. Heck yeah! Just hitting just hitting moonshots out of the ball field. And you know, usually before the game, when they let fans in, you're seeing the like either POs or you know backup dudes taking BP. Right. But when we first set it up, we're watching the, the studs in there yeah. while no one's in there. Right. And that was probably the coolest part. But uh, from there, came back to Kentucky, worked for Mister Dean at UK for a year. Uh, kind of got out of that. Took an internship with my county's parks and rec program to finish up my senior year in Victory Lap. Uh-huh. And uh, my Victory Lap—that's where I met my wife. Uh, she's Megan Prince Elliott from Martin, Tennessee. She Skyhawks. Hawks. Yeah, <laughs> no. But so she—she's uh, from Martin, Miss Tennessee softball. She was in high school. Went to Kentucky, yep. uh, three no-hitters, probably a dozen top ten wins. You know, I, I, I could go on and on yeah. with her stats. But uh, So she was a sophomore while I was a senior. I graduated. Now, where
0: did you say you met her? At UK. At UK, okay.
1: So uh, I graduate. She's still in school. I don't know what to do. I got kind of burnt out on sports turf. What am I going to do? So I took a job at a toxicology lab pouring people's piss into a test tube <laughs> for eight hours That's fun. day. But fine. Uh, yeah. No, it was great because uh, I met this uh, the owner of the place was named Mason Rout. He was a, another family farming friend right. from my community. And he took care of me and bought my first set of golf clubs. And from there on, uh, I met Stephen Brooks, uh, Zach Lemons, and Luke Rose. They're my three best friends. They've all played college golf. Uh-huh. We all worked together there. And from then on, if I wasn't playing, I was practicing. If I wasn't practicing, I was watching on YouTube all day long. I just consumed by the golf bug.
0: Yeah. It'll do it to you.
1: And (laughs) so I did that while I was still working at the lab, making decent money, playing golf all the time with Mm -hmm. them, Uh, bought my first house, still with my girlfriend who's still pitching at UK. And in 2016, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be in the lab my whole life i I need to get out of these four walls so i'm gonna try it i'm gonna see i've got no network i don't have any connections in the golf industry i'm just gonna dive in head first and see how far i can go and a guy named tom bozarth at moss hill golf club r.i.p it's changed over to uh woodford lakes now but he gave me my first opportunity for 14 dollars an hour to be one of five of our crew to be the quote-unquote assistant superintendent right and i that's where i was a greenhorn cut my teeth you know screwed everything up broke everything learned learned how to mess up there and and then 20 in 2018 i got married my wife got gets accepted into vet school at knoxville and from there you know i kind of had to look at myself and say, What do you want to do with your life? Yeah. Do you want to do this or what do you want to do? So, um, 2017, I got one ticket by myself to go up to Mirfield Village to watch the memorial. And as soon as I stepped on property, I don't want to do mom and pop golf anymore. I want to do tournament golf at the highest level. Right. And all right, what do I got to do to get to a major? And So once I got to Knoxville, I don't want to shortchange myself. I'm going to go every single place I can, drop my resume off, Mm -hmm. and seeing who can help me see what I can do for them as well as they can do for me. And Ryan Blair at Holston Hills and McConnell Golf, that's, I mean, they put two and two together. I said, all right, well, if you want to do tournament golf, you can come to Wyndham every year. If you want to go to the Rex Open, you have that option. But from there on, from 2018 till now, I've had the privilege of being a part of 12 tournament weeks. Yeah, and I've been to the Wyndham three times, Barbasol three times, Zozo Championship when it was in California, uh, East Lake, the Memorial, and hosted the 2021 Knox Open and last year's PGA Championship. Yeah.
0: One of the things that I find interesting, and I want to get your perspective because you've gotten you've gotten a lot more than i I've, I've probably done between USGA events and, P- and PGA Tour, or I've probably done five or six. But I always felt like it was important for the growth of me as a superintendent, someone who enjoys the, to, that part of it, not only just getting to see how that's all put together, but the meeting and the networking of the people that are in that event. Because that wasn't, you know, typically what I was doing. It wasn't my day job, but I was meeting and getting to work around not only the event, but other people in our industry. So talk a little bit about that and how that, it, did that impact you? Did you have any, Does that did that help you in any way? Did you get anything out of that? Because I believe, and if I was recommending to younger superintendents, people in this business, that I would be like, hey, do this and learn all you can at your current facility. But take every opportunity to go volunteer and work at other places.
1: I figured out real quick that you can't want it for everybody. Yeah. And you can't make them do it like you're doing it. Yeah. And if you're going, you know, if you're trying to go 15, 16 hours a day, that doesn't mean you can't, you can expect that out of your entire crew. So right. like, it's fine for you to like learn how to make your course peak for turn for either member, member, member guest, whatever else it is. But yeah, you know, if you want to put the extra work in, that's fine, but mm-hmm. the expectation of you know your entire crew to do the same thing you're doing, it's not, you know, I burnt a lot of guys out, and right. then we ended up suffering for it. Yeah. But then I finally learned, hey, I, if I'm more of a team player, like I used to be, then maybe like I can start learn how to give and take. Mm-hmm. And we started at Holston, we started doing more work with like half the crew because of COVID. Yeah, We started getting more work done with, the half crew than we did with the full crew, mm-hmm. and it was just because guys wanted it. They, I was showing like, hey, you know, if you go play, you know, this is what we're looking for while you're playing, right? You know, and we started off nobody on our crew played golf, and then by the end of the summer, everybody wanted to play. Right? Hey, let's go try to play one round this week. Okay, that's awesome. Right. So, and then the membership really enjoyed the the employee ease actually out there playing because they. Wanted to know, hey, the guy that's out here knows, like, we feel the same way about this right. course. Yep. So they took the ownership of the golf course to a new level.
0: Yeah. Now, I 100% uh, agree with you um, playing. I mean, not every superintendent plays golf, and not every, you know, not. Not everyone encourages their crew to play golf, but I believe, you know, having had a golf background, I mean, that was the reason why I got into it, but I, I just believe that it's important to play your own course and just, you know, not only play your course, but play others, see how people do it, you know, that kind of stuff. And that experience is valuable in terms of just bringing back the things that you can or can't do at your facility based on your resources or whatnot. And, you know, if members see you out there playing, then... That's a great thing, you know, and they see you, you know, when you when they say something to you, they know you can at least have some idea of what they're talking about. And a lot of tech guys that don't leave the office and I'm not, you know, I don't know that everybody does this, but I know that some people just spend their days doing their thing and they go home. And they have no clue, you know, that Mr. Smith over here on hole seven has got, you know, some issue over in the right rough and, you know, he don't know anything about it. Nobody knows. It's just know? a
1: job. Yeah. Like you have to look at it through their eyes most of the time. I just need eight hours. Yeah. I don't know what you're paying me. I love to do this. I yeah. just need eight hours. That's fine. Yeah. And don't be so hard on me. So, yeah, yeah. I can do that.
0: Yeah. So, are you still at Holston or no?
1: Uh, I So, I was at Holston from 2018 to 2021. And I've been at, oak hill from 2022 to 2023 and now i'm at brighton mower service i'm a small engine mechanic
0: so you're so you're out of the business now correct so
1: but i'm moving back home april 1st and i'm about to have a kid yeah so
0: i got it super
1: just kind of let my wife be a vet for now yeah she can take care of the the bills. I'll take yeah. care of the pots and pans and fold the laundry and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's important stuff, man. Don't 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 sleep on it. Oh, oh
1: I don't. <laughs> I love
0: it. Yeah. The um, so talk about the process from going from Holston to Oak Hill. What was that like?
1: So I basically you know looked up. I was looking at TurfNet all the time. All I wanted yeah. to do was you know host work at a place that hosts a major. I had tried Quail. Timing didn't work out right. I had to turn them down. Uh, Valhalla offered me twice. I had to turn them down both times because the second time, because I was already committed to Oak Hill. Yeah. And I basically called up Jeff Corcoran out of the blue and, Hey, uh, this is what I'm about. This is what I want to do. I want to be here for the major. I don't really know what's going to happen after that. So he, I was up front with him about it. He accepted yeah. it and we worked it out. But, yeah. uh, moving up there, January 3rd of 2022 was, a uh, very fun event, we, you know, first trip up there, we go to our b- first Bills game, <laughs> half inch of ice on top of everything, but yeah. it was an atmosphere unlike we've anything, any, unlike anything we've ever seen, and we we're hooked, automatic Bills fans like that, yeah. and going to the playoff game on Sunday now.
0: Heck yeah. Go Bills. Man, I was, I you know, I'm not, I'm a Titans fan, so I don't have a dog in this hunt, because we're terrible, but... um I do like the fact that uh, they, try. they try. They try. Yeah,
1: King Henry's still King Henry.
0: He is. I mean, we got some bright spots, but it seems like we get rid of the bright spots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a whole another podcast. That, yeah, that's a whole another podcast. Oh man, I'm already. I'm still. I'm still in the dumps about Alabama. So you know, you can stare I, at this. I'm.
1: I'm a. I'm an <laughs> SEC boy as well. Yeah. You know, I'm blue blooded <laughs> Kentucky, but I was sad for the Tide as well.
0: Yeah. Well, always next year, but um. The, you know that obviously New York is a whole lot different than friggin' Knoxville, Tennessee. I
1: had to tell them, don't worry, y'all. Y'all sound funny to me too, because that's all <laughs> I heard was, "Hey, you sound funny."
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the uh that was a, a rude awakening. But so what? What was that? What actually was that like as far as moving up there and you know just a whole different vibe and different feel. I mean, I'm I mean, not to mention I'm sure the grasses and all that was different, everything about it was, you know, kind of different.
1: So, I got up there in January and I couldn't afford two rents at the time. So, okay. they put me up in the intern apartment for yeah. 3 months until my wife got out of school and moved up there with me. So, from there we moved into our house that we've been in. But uh yeah, jumped right into my first drainage project on yeah. January 4th. Uh, we're that da- where I mean, we're digging down anywhere from three to five feet into eight inches of frozen soil. Wow. Using concrete saws to bust through it, pickaxes, mini excavator, just sitting there, bang, 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 just over, just trying to get frozen ground.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, eight, working eight hours a day just to get, like, 10 feet of pipe laid. Wow. It was just a head-first dive into the shallow end of, you know, the, the industry. Is that frozen? Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Absolutely. And— Working with snow duty, yeah. Uh, like our snow duty schedule is you know every other week. You know it's either red team or blue team, and if you're on snow duty, you're basically on call. If it snows, you come in. Period. Mm-hmm. And so like if, if the morning meeting starts at six, hey, we had snow last night. You show up at four thirty, get the clubhouse cleaned up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's six thirty at night, and we're expecting two inches, two to five inches tonight. All right. And there's a member function. All right, boys, we're here until the last member leaves. Yeah. And Sometimes it's midnight. Sometimes one in the morning. And it snows a lot. <laughs> Ninety inches a year. One of the cloudiest places on America. Yeah. So it was a. Uh, it was very eye opening going yeah. from you know laid back Ryan Blair at Holston to. Just
0: <laughs> I could only right imagine
1: into the right into the frying pan. Yeah. But uh, it was fun. I uh, I got to do everything I wanted to do. Really like yeah. I mean working in that type of club. Uh, With those types of leadership, it was uh, very eye-opening to what this industry was like. And uh, we got to see a lot of cool things. Got to see, I mean, one of the top 75 course in the world. Right. uh, See what it's like uh, agronomically on an everyday basis. It was very, very cool.
0: So what was your official title when you moved up there?
1: So I was the second assistant. Second assistant. So the way it works is there's five units. There's Jeff Corcoran, he's unit one. Uh, Mike Kincaid was there he's not there anymore but it was Mike Kincaid Marcus Chestnut Alex Shuler and Kevin Carpenter and so Kevin Carpenter is the West Corps superintendent Alex Shuler is the East Corps superintendent Marcus and Mike were con- like floaters so they kinda, they were Je- Jeff's eyes and ears yeah so that's how that worked and if we called him on the radio it uh, David to unit 3 got a copy so that's how it was all the time <laughs>
0: So why do they call them units? Is that just... I mean, it's funny you say that because when I started at the golf club, you of can tennis, cut this
1: out. But they're power hungry. They're absolutely <laughs> power hungry. Like you, we
0: ain't cutting that. You can, you can cut that out. Like
1: uh, if they listen to that, like I could talk a bunch of shit, yeah. but I just don't want to. So it's like, you know, just the way they were kind of treating people. is like, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm I'm cool with this it was yeah. a little bit too much of a lock locker room atmosphere yeah i like had been part of plenty of bad locker rooms and that was a bad locker
0: room Wow well I, I, I'm when I started at the Golf Club of Tennessee we didn't call us we were not assistants either and uh, they called us unit managers and um, there was three units on the golf course and then we had a basically a, lawn, a landscaping clubhouse unit and the reason why they did that this was the reason why they did that there is because the way the golf course is set up it was too hard for people to get around and so it was broken up by holes so the assistants that were in each individual unit could monitor and then you had one course manager. Mm. So they answered to that guy and then we had a director. So it was kind of this level of management so to speak and it was really just that way because of the way the course was set up and it was so spread out. and then Where it got competitive was is all the unit managers were like, well I want my six holes to be better than those are six mm. holes and all that kind of stuff. And so that got a little convoluted but you know not to go too deep in the weeds but that's it was funny because we called him unit managers
1: see we rotated back and forth all over the place all the time so there was never really any type of like it was competition yeah but like it was just different you're like you're oh well he's on a different section tonight. of course yeah. it's easier for him like so yeah. that was fun but uh when it came to tournament week that's you know I was peaking at that time. Like right. what I'd been working for for 17 years. You know, my inspiration was I, uh, in high school, I played basketball. And in Kentucky, there's no, you know, 1A, 2A, 3A. There's only one state champion for basketball. In Kentucky. Yep. So, hmm. if you make it to the state tournament, the state tournament's in Rupp Arena. Yeah. So, it's like a Hoosier situation. Every kid's sure. dream. like I can't play for Kentucky because I'm not that good, but I can play in that. Yeah. In my eighth grade year, my mom took me to my first state championship game. I'm sitting there like, dude, middle school, I've only won eight games. Like, we're (laughs) never going to make it there. And uh, But I played with a guy named Jared Polson who ended up playing at Kentucky. And we just kind of rode his back, and he carried us. And I tried to do as much dirty work as I could, getting all the rebounds, charges, Doing diving on the floor, whatever sc- you could, screaming at the other team. You, know, yeah. I'd do it if I could get on somebody's nerve. I'd do it. Yep. But we made a run to the state tournament, and our our junior, year, we were one game away from a state championship. Our senior, year, we were two games away from a state championship, and we lost to the team that won. Yeah. and we're beating them at halftime. So that drive for a championship never left me. Right, and I was, I just if I can just get my hands on a major, I just want to touch it. I don't, that's all I want to do is just an opportunity to host a major and just touch the trophy, and that's all I wanted. And finally got to do it. Yeah. And it was a ride of a lifetime.
0: So once you got to that point and you were able to accomplish that, did that just kind of like, okay, now what? Or is it you know just like I've done everything I want to do now? So
1: tournament hangover, we called it uh, – Putting Humpty Dumpty back together again yeah. with the golf course because you know a million square feet of gravel all got converted into either sod or native area. Yeah, so staying hand watering that, and then you know, I was grinding through June, grinding through July. You know, hand water all the time. Luckily, we got a, a few rains and every now and then, but it was just constant forklifts and trucks all over the place. Meanwhile, while we're trying to set up a golf course for the members. And get sod going, all that stuff. And August fourth, uh, I got a hernia. Wow! Uh, got done mowing our green section. I was, man, this don't this don't feel right. Yeah. So I went it, and I just thought I was sore. So I had the luckily I had the weekend off. I you know took it easy. Came in Monday, I was still sore. And you know, boss, I don't, I don't know about this man. I don't feel good. And you know, all right, go get it checked out. Get check that. Right. Yeah it's a hernia so got to go through my first uh workers comp case (laughs) and got the surgery and so got back to work uh wanted to get through the season of the last snow mold spray so i could help my team out as much as i could yeah and then kind of go from there and i left there and now i'm at brighton mower service to expand my small motor knowledge for the mechanical side of the industry.
0: Yeah. Now where is this at?
1: And it's it's still in Rochester. Rochester. So Rochester's like a collection of like 30 to 35 villages. Yeah. Back in the day. There's, you know, Brighton, Pittsford, Irondequoit, uh, Fairport, you know, like the list goes on, Spencerport, Brockport, a, a bunch of little towns and villages all put together.
0: I'd love to get up there. I've never been. I've, I think I've been to New York City and a few other little spots. Uh, Philly, just but nothing, nothing up that way. But it would be fun to Western get to. Western
1: New York is very much like here. Yeah, a lot of a lot of agriculture, yeah. a lot of dairy, um, a lot of winery. Yeah. Finger Lakes is a very very beautiful place in the country. Yeah.
0: Now, did you say you're moving back or uh, to here, or are you stay? You just going to stay up there for now?
1: Okay, I'm originally from Wilmore, Kentucky, and that's yeah. where we're moving back to. Yeah. Since we're having a kid, to yeah. a little bit more infrastructure with my family.
0: Yeah, what do you, are you going to take a job there, or what do you what do you, what so do you got planned?
1: I think I'm going to go into the I'm going to go into some construction. Yeah. for uh, for de, uh, housing development. Okay, for our uh, one of my dad's family uh, farming friends. Uh, in our farming community, yeah. is going to give me an opportunity to work with him, running a dozer for uh, big construction projects for to build uh, new subdivisions.
0: There's no shortage of that going on. No, right no, now.
1: no, no, no. Uh, writing's on the wall. Real estate's booming, so I'm going to go build some houses.
0: I mean, if I could go back and talk to myself 30 years ago, I, <laughs> I don't know that I would be doing turf grass. Yeah. I think real estate would have been where it's at, but nobody told me that. Just life hack but you know it is what it is like i said, but,
1: i'm sure i'm sure opportunity might come up sooner or later but yeah you know for now, now i got to do what's best for me and my family and if i can be around my kid more then yeah i got to take that better job
0: well there's no doubt and i i'll say this maybe not
1: better job maybe i yeah. put it that way better option I, or uh per se
0: i hear you um one of the things that this business and I I hear it more often than not is it's very taxing on your quality of life and your ability to have any sort of life outside of it now, it, that can go a lot of ways. Like you and I seem to be cut from the same cloth. We want to do good. We want to have the best. We want to make sure we're you know we're doing the things we need to do. We want to go to championships. You know we're competitively driven. That that takes a certain individual that and and then that pushes us into long days, getting there early, all this kind of stuff. And what I've learned over the last year, I've been I've been. So my, my journey over the last five years basically was I got away from Brentwood, I started my own business where I was consulting, and I was still doing a lot on the golf course, but I was doing some more landscaping and some other stuff, and then I went and built a golf course in Arkansas for two years, and then after after that kind of fell apart, and then I was like, what I want to do now, I, I had basically set my sights on where I'm working now, site one, and just kind of had a lot of people, and And when that worked out, I didn't know the lasting impact or how it was going to affect me. But a year later, and I've said this many times, I've told a lot of people, I don't know that I've said it publicly, but the quality of life I have now and just the mere fact that I don't have the stresses that I lived with for 30 plus years in the golf course and just the things that I have, you know, I even told my kids, I was like, I just didn't realize how much I was not there in the beginning. I mean, I'm divorced. I won't say that the my the job caused me, but it 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 had a lot to do with it. You know, it was just a lot of separation. I got married early. You know, I could I could make a lot of excuses. A lot of it are, you know, vast majority of it are self-induced, but not to go long-winded on this, but the business will eat you up and to get away from it and to take a step back and say, man, I don't, I don't i loved it i loved every part of it and i'm there's parts i'm always going to miss but i don't know that i would go back because i get to do things i still get to help people i still get to teach young people i still get to talk about people in golf i mean i in the turf grass conference today i still see all my friends and peers and i just i don't have people calling me on saturday or sunday going why is the greens burning or you know where's your crew or you know worrying about this or that and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's a perspective that I have now that I did not have when I was younger and it caused a lot of heartache in my life and now that I've had a chance to look back and say man, it 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 really when you when you're talking about how you want to be there for your family and see so your kids and all that you're doing I'm telling you right now, you probably feels like, I don't know, but it's the right thing. It's the right thing for you to kind of get your head ready.
1: Mother nature is a cruel temptress. And when she's good, she's great. But when she's bad, it feels like everybody has to suffer for it. Oh, for sure. And I was getting kind of tired of her kind of dictating my life. Yeah. And I didn't really want to do that. I was just kind of burnt out for now, but I still love being outside. I still love doing what I do. It's just, I I needed to take a step back. I needed a halftime. Yeah. I I need a halftime break. I'm, I'll probably get back into it, but I just need yeah. a little step back for now and I love working in the shop still. I yeah. love sharpening blades and learn how to put a carburetor back together, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's been nice to finally get to work with the stuff that I work I use on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. So where did that love come from as far as that goes? Did you always have, like to tinker with the stuff Did that came from early on or where did that come from? So
1: yeah, growing up on the farm, you know, my yeah. my dad has a shop. You know, unfortunately he had a friend pass away, but they built a shop to do uh uh, body work on cars to refurbish wrecked cars and but his friend passed away in the middle of the shop he just finished the shop and we had a farm shop Uh so anytime he was babysitting i was in the shop with him hey you know he's changing the tire for a for a wagon i'm sitting there with a hammer and block just hammering away some nails or something or hey you know i've never changed a spark plug come over here and watch me how to change the spark plug and I'm just fascinated. Like, right. how, how do you know how to do that? <laughs> how do you know what's wrong with it? Yeah. Just by listening to it. Yeah. So now I, I always wanted, I wanted to do that while I was at Kentucky, but there was no small mechanic class. There was no diesel engine class. Right. And you know, RIP Kentucky turf, but <laughs> you know, it was, I, while I was there, I was like, man, I really wanted to learn more about the mechanical stuff. Yeah. And Cause at the end of the day, the people are only as, or the equipment is only as good as the people that are on it, yeah. But you have to have the equipment in order to get the job done, no doubt, because you can't do everything by hand. I mean, there's some yeah. places that can, but <laughs> you can't just mow fairways by hand,
0: no. No, I, I say it all the time. Uh, the you know, the superintendent is probably most important by far, one of the most important positions, but the the people that take care of the equipment, especially the equipment managers, they're, they're as invaluable as, or they're as, as, valuable as anybody at the facility. And it's in our business, you know as well as I do, that our equipment is not easy. To, it's not like the car. It's not like taking, I mean, the parts on them are complicated. There's the real sharpening has to be exact, the blades, you know, everything we're dealing in such small, you know, uh, numbers when it comes to height of cuts and things like that. That uh, it takes a true talent, and you know, for someone to be able to work with the equipment they got, if it's old or you know whatnot, or if it's new, it's got some kind of weird new technology they got to learn. And man, it just I I commend those guys that are in our business that 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 do that and take care of it. I you know I they're worth every penny they make to me.
1: Oh for sure, I love whenever I meet new people and they oh so what do you do for a living? <laughs> oh oh so you just cut grass? Yeah. Technically, yes. Yeah. It's a little more complicated, but, but yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, we just cut grass. Yeah. So maybe we throw some sand every now and, and rake some sand, but yeah. other than that, it's just cutting grass at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. They always they used to call us the, you know, farmers or, you know, shop boys or whatever. But uh, I mean, in, in theory, that's kind of what we do. Our, our, our crop was turf grass, and you know, and that, and taking care of it, and our customers were our golfers. And there's there's people, no yield. Yeah, I mean, now we're, you know, we're just charging astronomical dues and you know greens fees, and
1: I've always looked at it. It's the most. It's one of the most relatable things to, to sports right now. Yeah, Think about, like the superintendent is the coach. Yeah. He has assistant coaches, and he has, a, and he has the players, yep. and he's putting up sports entertainment product for the fans, aka the membership, sure. or you know. If you're a municipal, just yeah. regular everyday players. But so you have to figure out a way to keep your team happy yeah. to keep a good product out there. And I've always like I've watched The Last Dance a thousand times and I believe in what MJ says it's if you have really good players that love what they're doing, everybody's always happy.
0: One hundred percent. No doubt that the 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 team, the 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 people that you have around that team can make or break you, and the the I see it way too often. Just you are only as you know, you're hard deal, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, I mean, that's true, and especially in our business, I mean, we're we're constantly trying to foot, put people in their right place, the right positions, have them do you know, train them to do the things we need them to get done. And it's just it, it is it's a very good analogy about life and about how we're set up. It's like you got the coaches, you got your players and you just gotta you got get them you gotta get them trained up and give them the best product they can give
1: them. So yeah, that's why I love listening to podcasts of like former athletes talking about like how they brought rookies in the league and what yeah. they did to like make them feel like a part of the team. So yeah. I always felt like that was a key role for especially for volunteers. Like, if volunteers don't feel welcome, like you want them to have a good time for sure. So, if you're working with them, hey, like this job can be fun too, you don't have to just stay nose to the grindstone the whole time. Yeah, so like for the tournament, I was bringing a speaker out there. We're working with some, we're not going to work in silence. Like, this isn't like you know, at the end of the day, we're just breaking sand, yeah, like so. I took, like, the Chris Sykes Virginia Tech method. Uh, I was out there playing inner Sandman. Just <laughs> get up and jump. Let's go, Let's go. like uh, It's 3 o'clock in the morning. We got to right. get going. Yeah. So it was super fun.
0: What? Um, so circling back a little bit on the on the tournament, when you went up there, did you get up there? How How soon, once you got there, how many – was you there a couple of years before the tournament? Was everything you were kind of doing building up towards the PGA or
1: – Correct. I was there the summer before uh-huh. and the summer after the PGA. Okay. So the year leading up to it, yes, the, we pulled carts off the uh, off the golf course in October. So there, the golf course didn't see any car traffic from October all the way to May.
0: Was it and, just member caddy only? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And from there on, that's when they started laying all the gravel, putting up all the scaffolding. You know, we – all we had to do was take care of the grass. Yeah. All the other infrastructure stuff that was led by Marcus Chestnut, our uh, construction superintendent. He yeah. was the coordinator between uh, all the gravel and scaffolding and whatnot. So that, all this, the bigger places, like on 14 and 6 and the driving range, that was up the fall before yeah. uh, the uh, PGA in 23. Right. So it stayed up all winter. And then, yeah, from March to May, it was – balls to the wall yeah. every day as you know everything he got all day long and it was just like how much can we possibly get done today like how like how much humanly possible can we get done today it was a lot but I felt like uh everything the players told us you know i Scott 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 Stallings was a member at wholesome with uh-huh. us so I got to pick his brain a lot and he said it was his favorite major setup so far that he's played, and that was the best compliment I could find.
0: Heck yeah! The um, who won?
1: Come on, hey, Brooks Kafka. Brooks, come on, Kafka. Come on hey, that's, that's my dude. Oh, god, oh, my god that's my dude. Uh,
0: I can't oh, remember, you know. man. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. He's been the best,
1: but he's been the best player in the world since I got into the golf
0: world. Yeah, I should. I mean, I had a few only a few guesses, I guess, but uh, so did y'all get to have a picture with him or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, no. I. I you probably were geeking yeah, out over that.
1: Dude. I mean, we were all lined up, and as soon as the guy waved, like, "All right, time for your guys' picture." It was like one of those like sprint walks, just yeah. like right. Th- uh, yep, I gotta get right behind him. <laughs> so, like Jeff called it jockey sniffing. I just yeah. call it, you know, that's my guy. Yeah. Like, I had five bucks on him that week. He just made me a little, <laughs> a little,
0: a little hundred dollars richer. Heck yeah. The um, so compared to a lot of the other events that you've been, you know, had been a part of. How did this one differ or did it differ at all?
1: It differed because there was 140 employees compared yeah. to I'd been to the Barbersaw where it only had maybe 30 guys. yeah, And then I'd been to the Wyndham where there's like 50 or 60 and then we had you know maybe 20 something at the Knox Open and then all of a sudden we have 140 guys.
0: Now, is that all employees, or was that volunteers? employees team? and volunteers.
1: Yeah. So it was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. As I just got to focus on my
0: you know, group. And you're only doing the one course?
1: Yep. So we had the other course, Yeah. and we still had – so it, my questioning up to the whole thing was like, okay, after we get done with the major course here, what are we going to do with the west course? Yeah, I guess during the practice rounds, just keep on mowing it. Yeah. And if it looks like Swahili grass by the next week, so be it. It'll be there all summer.
0: Yeah. That, that's always interesting because, I mean, like how do you keep 140 people busy from on 18 holes? I mean. Were you walk mowing stuff? I, and-
1: I had 10 guys on the on, – I had at least 10 to 12 guys on the back nine bunkers. Dalton. Ro, Dalton Rowan had 10 to 12 on the front nine bunkers. Yeah. Everything's walk mode except for fairways and intermediates. Yeah. Tees, walkways, greens, two pass approaches, everything. I walk on on almost everyday basis.
0: And then on the tournament week, did you do the morning and afternoon and all that? Did the
1: there wasn't as much. We didn't do as much dry cutting, so yeah. we had the oak blossoms were the biggest problem. Just keeping the golf course clean of those because they were their peak blossom was that week. Oh wow! And it was windy, so yeah. it was just oak blossoms all the time, all yeah. over the bunkers, everything. So. During the practice rounds, that's mainly what we did was just oak blossom cleanup out of the bunkers. But that was cool because we got to just walk basically with the practice round. Yeah. But watching players while we were cleaning bunkers
0: out. <laughs> well, what did you take from it all? Did you just take the the you know
1: all the hard work is worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, I mean, it's your success. The your own personal success is determined by you, and if you feel a sense of accomplishment from it, then it was it was worth it. Yeah. At the end of that, no matter what. Like it was worth the hernia. It was worth the six years I given up. It had been worth all the time I would given up with my family. It was worth it because they were behind me the whole way. Yeah, and it was really nice. You know, championship Sunday had my wife and my mom right there walking up eighteen fairway with me. Yeah, so that was really really cool.
0: I mean, and then that's that's the point is like you know, of all the hard work, you set it. You had a goal. You set out to accomplish that goal, and. You know, not for a lot of you know heartache and hard work and you know a lot of effort and a lot of you know sacrifice on other people's parts. You know, you you got it done and you got to you know to a place where you know you accomplish something that you wanted to do and that that not everybody gets to do that. You know, the,
1: the biggest thing I love was like every time I try to tell people what I wanted to do before I got to kill was like every superintendent's response was, "That's gonna be hard, man." Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I know. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth doing. Yeah. So, but they're right. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, I'm thankful that it happened. I'm thankful that I did it. But I'm glad it's over and I'm glad I get to go back home.
0: Yeah. All right, so the biggest question I got is why did you choose the PGA If or was that the only one you searched out? Why? You know, did you look at all the four majors? I mean, obviously the British would have probably been more difficult. But, you know, was there any thought in that, or was just like, I'm just going to get to where I need to try to get to? So in
1: 2020, I met Neil Murphy, who was from Augusta at the time. It worked at Augusta, uh-huh. and he kind of pulled some strings and got me into the 2021 uh, ANWA, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And at first, it was just Champions Retreat. And then about a month and a half before the tournament, I get an email from Augusta National saying yes, you can come volunteer. And I was just, oh my god, what? A, like, uh, uh, I get to, you're telling me I get to go to the National. Yeah. So I kind of scratched that itch of getting to see that for the first time. You know, pulling out of the maintenance shed, and just or seeing <laughs> the golf course for the first time. It was.
0: Had you ever been there before? Nope. Oh wow. No first yeah. time I
1: ever saw it I was working in it and getting the,
0: That's awesome.
1: Getting to stand, you know, in the same place where Tiger chipped in on sixteen, yeah. getting the stand right where Bubba was on ten, getting like seeing all the places like it was like uh what Brando said it was like sensory blitzkrieg the yeah. whole time. But uh but yeah, at the same time my mom my, my wife got to see it with me that was super rewarding but getting to see their crew and how they worked and what that system was like it was kind of similar i would have had to basically stepped in as like a turf graduate there like right. a big step back in responsibility which i still did at oak hill but i still had a lot of respons- responsibilities up there yeah um so from there i kind of explored us open venues didn't really want to go to boston looked into pinehurst and Kind of picked a bunch of people's brains, met Mr. Jeffries at the Carolina show that we attended every year at Holston. Um, that also same thing. I would have to take a huge step back. Yeah, and I didn't know if I was going to do that or not, but um, and then, yeah, so explored the Masters, explored the U.S. Open, and then PGA was like either okay, Valhalla, Quail, or Rochester. Right. So that's how it narrowed down.
0: Well, it makes sense, but um, man, that's a, that's some awesome stuff to, to be able to work at, a, at Augusta. That's probably got to be that's that's a bucket list thing. I don't know that I'll ever get to do, but uh, I've been I've been to Augusta hand, probably seven or eight times to see the tournament. But it's
1: a completely new perspective yeah. of like seeing it on TV. It's like oh, that's not like I don't even want to watch it on TV anymore. Yeah. I, just, I can't get the. Perspective of being in a bunker and the lip of the bunker is like at 13 feet. Yeah. How do you like, how do you even build that?
0: I almost to a person that's ever been there, they, you cannot, it, TV does not do it just.
1: People it, take it for granted. Yeah. It's it, the, the, the gust effect is real. They yeah. see it on TV. They're like, yeah, I can do that. Or our course can do that. Yeah. I don't know, man. No. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> I don't know how very many people can. No.
0: I, my, my biggest, one of my very first real, like realizations that I'm like I don't I'm not made for this level of golf, is I was standing there on number one tee looking at that fairway and I'm going, I'm not sure I can even get it to the hill and they're blowing it over this bunker out there and I'm like, this is nuts.
1: I, it's more than a golf course. Yeah. It, it's more like it feels like a cathedral. Yeah. To if you're like an avid golf fan, you can't look past the fact that it's just grass and sand yeah. it's more than that like the amount of people that have walked on it the amount of people that have won on it yeah i mean it's just it's completely different than any other golf course
0: yeah no it's it you can't get enough of it i've been how i'm trying to go back this year but you can't i mean it it does not do it justice to just watch it on tv no. to be there is it's phenomenal it's a place that i've been to a lot of golf courses and nothing compares to that place
1: i got the same experience the first time i ever had to play valhalla yeah. back in louisville yeah and just being a true Kentuckian as soon as i played there it was just like tiptoeing around like, yeah i'm not supposed to be here <laughs> you know.
0: yeah I've, i have my own experience with valhalla i, I um I went and watched. I guess it was the PGA. I think it was the PGA. Um, and I'm sitting there on 18, watching Rory, and he's got like 220 uphill into this green, and he hits five iron from and just to the middle of the green. And I'm going, I don't got this game. This is just too good, and these guys are just way too good. And and I'm thinking, man, what? A, and on this this beautiful golf course, I'm just thinking, man. It would be nice to play the game this well, but nope. Just sit back and watch it.
1: It's funny you say that because when I went up there to ride around with John Ballard – Uh, We pulled up to number 10, and he was like, you know, yeah, this is number – I was like, I know it's number 10. Uh, Rory was like 280 out here. (laughs) He was trying to hit a big high draw, but he hit that low cut to like eight feet and then made the eagle. I was like, yeah, I've watched that clip on YouTube like a thousand (laughs) times. I I know know this is number 10.
0: (laughs) Man, I don't know how you keep up with all that.
1: It's uh, just a brain full of obscure sports facts – uh, movie lines and like I said, a bunch of dick and fart jokes. I, 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 that's got me this far. Uh, I'm you, just gonna ride it. You got to
0: have something that works with for you. You know, this is the way. This the way this business is. You know, it's just uh, something to hold your hat on and be known for, and to you know have people enjoy your company and all that good stuff. I
1: was kind of like Michael Scott. Once yeah. I discovered YouTube, I didn't really work for like five days. Yeah. So, like that one at the uh, like I said at the toxicology lab there was about, you know, on average, eight hours worth of work in front of us. But if I was in the lab, I'm competitive. Yeah. I can't help it. Like that's just the farming community I grew up in. My dad, you know, oh, well, I cut 1,000 sticks today. How many, how many sticks <laughs> in the back did you cut? I, All right, I'll try to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. So I was in the lab, well, I'm, I'm gonna pour more than you are today. Yeah. Well, okay, well, sh- we're done at lunch. What are we gonna do after lunch? So, I just go up in my cubicle and study some more golf stuff. Yeah.
0: What do you think about what's going on with golf now and the whole PGA live and all that? You got any thoughts on any of that?
1: I call it, it's the same as like like the NBA. It's called, it's the player empowerment area. They just, they want to do what they want to do and they, they know what they're worth. And I'm cool with it. I'm cool with them. You know, I'm trying to look past the whole like, oh, what are the, What did Saudi do before this? You know, what did they do 20, 30 years? What did they do yesterday? I don't know. Yeah. But if there's a chance to secure my family, yeah, I'm probably going to take that chance and not have to work as much as what the tour is demanding. Yeah. Maybe. But like I said, I've I've got a lot of friends that are still agronomists for the PGA, so I still lean towards them. I still look at it. Both of them are entertainment products at the end of the day. I'm just a fan trying to watch. Just show me the golf. Right. That's all I'm really looking for.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy a lot of times to for us, especially who are in the business, to get wrapped up in the business side of it. But we're fans. I mean – more so than anything, I want to watch good golf, and I want to see people play good golf. I want to see the best people in the world play golf.
1: I want to see them talk about it on TV. Like yeah. this look at this fairway. You know how difficult it is to spray. Yeah, like, look at this green. Look <laughs> at the angles of this. How do they mow those? Yeah, like, is that a what's a fly mower? It's like say this stuff on TV. Yeah. People don't know, but they want to know. They just don't know the questions to ask.
0: No, I I I, I know where you're going, and I, I just think that um, it's unfortunate that we don't those questions or those answers don't get brought up. I mean, there's no real platform outside of things like this for us to be able to talk about what we do, how we do it, the things that, and it would be nice. It would be nice to, you know, I've been beating this drum for a long time. We have a 24-hour network dedicated to golf, and they spend zero to any amount of time on our industry, our business. It wouldn't hurt for them to have a 30-minute, one-hour show where they sit down and talk to guys about uh, 30, what's going
1: thirty minutes a week. That's not yeah. too much.
0: No, and you know um, they could they could. I mean, I got an idea for them. I you can pay me for it, but just put a camera crew in a in a greens. You know, follow a ca- uh, 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 agronomy department around and tape it, and just put it out there. There's so many reality shows
1: every week, every week for the tour. I mean, for, it, there's 52 yeah. tournaments. There's 52 agronomy crews. Yeah. Like there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people. Yeah. Sacrificing a lot of time for this, just for your product, like yeah. give them a little bit more shine than, oh well, they're the offensive linemen. they're yeah. the guys behind the scenes, like no, they're in the scenes they're every round yeah. starts with the superintendent and their crew,
0: yep, so do you watch hard knocks at all? oh yeah. I mean, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like the behind the scenes, I I geek out over that stuff because you get to see guys talking about their daily lives, you know, things that's going on behind the scenes. You get to hear people, you know, talk about people, you know, cuts and decision making and all this kind of stuff. Why wouldn't that work in our industry where it's, you know, cover to cover, just like, hey, here it is in plain English and black and white, and there's no sugarcoating. Yeah, it goes through some editing, and but there's characters involved in our business. I don't know how many courses I've been to, and they're like, oh, that's so-and-so, and he's been here for 30 years, and he cuts cups, and he's the best one at it, and we don't let nobody else do it. And, you know, I mean, it's just story after story.
1: There's so many people that take so much pride in their job, and then there's the only thing they have to show for is a paycheck. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I'm the guy like I want to be the pat on the back. Yeah. I want to be the guy that's going to pump them up, make them feel. <laughs> so that's kind of what I did with our Hispanic guys to to put it into perspective. I just saw them coming in day after day. Just it looks like a normal job. Yeah. Like, hey guys, like what you're about to do here? Like how big is your hometown? Well, they t- I don't know maybe ten thousand people. Yeah. How many people in your town have ever hosted a major? That's been on you know worldwide television for millions right. of people, saying they're like, oh, oh, okay, like they got it started, no. Clue. It started blowing yeah. their mind. Right, like the guy who wins the tournament gets damn three million dollars. Yeah, and like everybody, like millions of people are watching what they get to work on every day, and they started getting becoming more and more excited about it. Yeah. It was really really fun to see our entire Hispanic crew have a really good time with it.
0: That's that's a lot of the the things that just go unnoticed and unseen and how much impact it has on the pride that they have and the people that, you know, they take, we take for granted, they just go through their daily routine, they do their job. And then you say, Hey, this is a little bit more special. You know, at, at our local clubs, we were like, all right, we got member guest week, or we got, you know, member, member or some kind of uh, event that we can hype up a little bit more. And, you know, and basically like, why are we doing this for this when we could just be doing this, You know, we don't do a whole lot more where is, you know, we try to sell it as a special event when you're talking about a major or something that you're dealing with that millions of people are going to watch around the world, the best players in golf are going to be there. It's different and it's something to be proud of. And, you know, I know that they can see, Oh, we got three times the amount of employees. You know, there's a lot more stuff going on. Why is that going? You know, you got to kind of talk them through that. But at the same time, it's like, this is something special.
1: I always put it in perspective for our guys. Like, you know, just, man, all I need you to do is come in, start mowing greens. Yeah. Maybe look up at the sunrise every <laughs> now and then, put your life into perspective and then keep mowing. Yeah. And then we'll get out of here and go have fun.
0: Yeah. The, um, we have the Corn Ferry that used to be the Corn Ferry here in, in Nashville. It's uh, at the Grove. Can't out wait here. to see the live event. It's the live coming there. And I, I've worked at three, two. Uh, I've worked the Corn Ferry two or three out of the last four years. I don't know how many it's been, but I, I've gone back, and I like. I enjoy going out there and helping them, but I'm, I'm going to do the live. That'll be fun. I don't know that anything from working it will change.
1: You, do, you can get me on there? <laughs> oh, yeah, if you want to come work it, absolutely.
0: Yeah, heck yeah, if you want to come work it, um, I know. I know a few people.
1: <laughs> I'm still building my tournament resume. Yeah. I'm not afraid to go yeah. work some more tournaments.
0: Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give that up. It, it, I mean, even if that just whets your appetite to get stay involved, and you know, like I said earlier on, just you know, the networking part of it, and it may lead to something you know down the road, you know, that you may want to you find do to do. I know, um, but yeah, I, um, I'm interested to see. I don't have an opinion one way or another. I I always think that um, you know competition is a good thing and not only competition amongst the best players in the world but business and the PGA Tour it's like the NFL. I mean people have come the XFL and the USFL they all come they try to take down the big giant the NFL. Well the product has to be somewhat similar or people are not going to pay any attention to it. The players can be similar the but if you're not talking about the numbers and the product, then it's going to fade. Whereas it's a whole different animal with Liv. I mean, the best players in the world are playing on both tours now. And golf is such an individual sport that it's not – I mean, I might can get, I might can convince the best quarterback to come play in the USFL, but if I can't convince the entire team, it it does not do any good. I mean, he can he can maybe buy us a game or two, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be the same product. Whereas if John Rahm's playing over in Dubai, and you know, and Tigers over here, I mean, it's like, all right, I got I got guys on both tours that I want. I'm enjoying watching. Or your boy Brooks, you know, or whatever.
1: I just think it's getting to the point that the like. Tournament golf—that level of you know the best players in the world—it's so far out of reach for yeah. the normal golfer that it's so like it, you can't really relate to it. Yeah. Oh, I can I can catch a drive you know three ten every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're catching it three ten almost every single time. Sure, like, sure. You know, you're not gonna hit your wedge to ten feet one out of ten times like they are as much as they do. Yeah. It's just not related. They're spending. 10 to 12 hours a day on their craft. You're only spending one to two. So it's like, I got introduced to golf through professional golf. And I, that standard was always in my head. of like, Oh, well, I'll be able to get, I'll be able to break par huh. one day. I don't know if I will. I hope so. Yeah. But it's re- like only 10% of golf golfers break 80 consistently. Yeah. And we make it look like, Oh yeah. Well, if you broke 80 yet? Like that's a big <laughs> stepping stone. Like I didn't do it. I, it took me, Two two and two and a half three years to do it right just because i'm a mental midget but at the same time like it's just the the sports side of I me mean, i was so competitive with the game of golf like yeah. competing against par was extremely extremely hard
0: no it's a fun frustrating game and i've been playing it all my life and you know um having been good at it not good at it now i play you know i i play and have fun and enjoy the game but i I took it seriously for way too long, but my game and the game I see pros play is just not the same. And and, to, and I heard something this week and I, and it's no secret, but like the average of all of the golfers, the average, most golfers are 95 or up. I mean, if you took the average and so to even be a golfer who shoots in the eighties or, you know, I'm, I'm a three or four handicap, um, you know, it's those, you're in the top of the better golfers just to be able to do that. And then to think that the best players in the world, you couldn't sniff how good they are. I mean, it, you know, sit there and watch a guy like Dustin Johnson on the range. I watched him at the, at the uh, uh, FedEx World Cup down in St. Jude a couple of years ago. And he hit balls on the range for 20 minutes and never left the flag stick. The same shot. And I'm like, how do you not win every week? You know and I'm thinking I couldn't sit up here and hit two balls in a row straight, you know. And it's just it's just impressive, it's impressive. And I, I you know, I, I want to play better golf, I want to be better, but you know, it's now it's just a fun thing for me to do.
1: I try to put it in perspective to like my friends and family members that don't really watch golf, like those guys are the top 1% of the top 1%, no doubt, of anybody who has ever played, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, so. What you see on TV is highly, highly unattainable. Yeah. But for those guys they make it look so easy.
0: No, they do, and it's 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 crazy. I mean it's the hardest thing to win. Yeah.
1: In, in my opinion. Like you have to you have to be on your A game four days in a row, basically. Yeah. And hope that everybody else is not because you can't play defense. You can't there's nothing you can do to stop somebody else from doing what they're gonna do. No. Period. If they go out and make eighteen home ones, there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah. That'd be great to see, oh, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree, man. It's a great game. It's it's uh, it's one that's afforded me a, a fun life and, and a lot around it, and I enjoy it. And I tell you, it, you know, did you ever consider you? You, you played. You said you played. Don't, you know,
1: love it. Yeah. Do, uh, you you
0: didn't that. ever. Do you consider the the golf side of it at all? Did you ever consider doing like I started? That, that's how I got started. I was in the pro shop parking carts picking the range i didn't want to do that part of it but did you ever do anything i like
1: getting off at 230 i don't like it <laughs> i like getting off with enough time to play yeah uh, from what i've heard from the that side of the industry is like yeah you know you're considered a pro or assistant pro but you never play yeah i'm like no i want to play i want to get stuff done i want to get everything mowed and then all right let's go play
0: yeah now that's Definitely the the bonus side of it because when I was young, I had my claim to fame not my claim to fame, but one of my idiot moves was we, uh, I worked at Indian Hills, it was in here in Murfreesboro, and um, I had to, I was responsible for opening the shop the next morning, which so happened to be the um, first round of what was then called the Hooters Tour, which mm-hmm. is now the Corn Ferry. Yep. So the, the sort of the Semi pros of golf, if you will, but, and I overslept and didn't get there. That was the best of us. And I'm I'm getting there, and my boss is calling me. He's like, "What happened?" I mean, they're supposed to be teeing off at seven o'clock, and I'm not there. And I'm supposed to open the place, you know. And I'm sixteen, seventeen years old. I'm like, "Man, why do they put all this pressure on me to, to get up on time to be there?" But you know, I, I just you know, all, I I mean, it happens, like you said, to the best of us. I just the whole golf business, the whole. Golf Pro Shop, man. We have a, as our as superintendents, we have a love hate with race, relationship with it, anyways. But I never, uh, I never really thought about that being the the side I wanted to be on.
1: I always felt like we can like go choose which members we want to go interact with. They yeah. have to interact uh, with every member that comes through there. So
0: the only thing that I took about uh, the the only thing that I had to accept was is that I couldn't be the enemy of the Pro Shop staff because they controlled everything like if some person comes into the pro shop and talks to the head pro or the assistants how i've interacted with them can infect how that that conversation goes and i just i had to i had to suck and sometimes i had to go in and be like we need to talk and we you know and but at the end of the day i had to realize that i wasn't really in control of that Whole
1: dynamic. Chris Dibble had plenty of sit downs with me of what I was doing wrong or yeah. what I was doing. So it was nice to get feed good good positive and negative feedback from from the from the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to learn how to basically learn how to mess up on the golf course yeah. at Moss Hill and Holston. But I got to learn how to mess up as like a uh, what would you call it. Like I wanted to be like a liaison between right. the membership and the golf course. Yep. So I wanted to be like a voice for the golf course whenever members say, like, Oh, why is why is this happening? Why yeah. does it look like this? Oh like, well, it looks like that because X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like make it more digestible for the player standpoint. Right. So they want they liked seeing that they were get they were hearing feedback from their course from a fellow player.
0: Yeah. Did um, do you ever have the drive to be a uh, actual head superintendent?
1: I do. I mean, I still do, but back home I can't yeah. make superintendent jobs pop up, but at the same time, I just have to fi- I want to find the job that's right for me. Yeah. And I'm still looking.
0: That's, a, that's a, um it's a tough one because um, the, the jobs that you want to be up for, they don't come open very often. And then when they do, a lot of times it tends to be not more about what you know, but who you know. And unfortunately, that's the way I feel about a lot of times when when you like, I, you know, I got to be as qualified as anybody. Just get me in a room. You may not even get a phone call back.
1: If you don't care, we can cut the superintendent part out because I just went through what I thought was going to be my dream course, superintendent job, and it's just there – I went through the interview process. and The lack of communication was so bad. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm telling the guy like, Hey, I'm moving back April 1st. Like I need to know, did I get it? Did I not get it? Like, so I'm still friends with them. I'm still interested in being a member there one day, but I, I just, I don't think I want to work there now. Yeah, It's just, so yeah, if you don't mind, take that, take all that part out. Cause I am interested in being a superintendent. Uh-huh. I just, like I said, I want to do, I want to, be at the right place.
0: Well, I, I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad about you having some animosity about things that don't work out. I mean, that I think one of the biggest things that I have to take away from it is is that things don't always go our way. Mm-hmm. That we don't always it, nothing ever turns out the way you want it. And even when you think things are are headed in the direction that you feel like they're going, something always happens and you have to bounce back from some adversity. I mean, I, it's happened to me. David, I don't know how much you know about the things that I've been through, but, I mean, not only in, in career-wise but personal-wise, and, you, and I just I just find that I've been disappointed enough to know that something better is always coming, and I didn't always believe that. I mean, my I put everything I wanted into – Becoming the superintendent at the country at uh, Golf Club of Tennessee, and when my boss left, and they gave me the interim title, but they told me up front, "Hey, you're going to be the interim. You've been here seven and a half years. You know we're going to give you every chance to win this job, but we're we're also going to go through the process of looking at other candidates." They told me that for up front, so I appreciated that they didn't do anything behind my back. They were very upfront about it. They let me go through the process, but what I learned in that was one, I wasn't ready, but two, I wanted it so bad, I did, I did everything not to get it, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't have any animosity toward what happened. I, I handled it. I feel like the way, but it, but all that led to something way better, you know. And I spent 11 years at Brentwood Country Club. A year later, and you know, and they told me at that time, hey, there's something you know you the way you handled this the way you finish out here there's something better for you and i believe that i mean it's always sucks in the moment to have to hear that i mean having i haven't talked publicly about much of what what happened in arkansas but i thought that job was going to be where i was going to be and at the time i thought man i don't understand any of what's happening here until i had a chance to sit back and go there is completely something better for you. And now I'm a year later saying, telling you all this about how it's it's way better than I could have ever imagined.
1: Yeah, it, that's what was so special about Holston and yeah. Ryan because I went through a lot of personal stuff yep. while I was there with my family. And anytime I said, hey, I need this, take off. Yeah. Don't like this, like it's just grass at the end of the yeah. day. Like we'll take, me and Lane will take care of it. Yeah. So that's, it always hit, hit real close to home with that. And then I get up to Rochester and it's, it ain't like that. It ain't like that. Do not, if it's, if it's between May and, you know, the end of the season, November, December, do not ask off. Yeah. Unless you have like a real reason, do not ask off. Yeah. And they made it very clear that, I mean, like the last time he knew where the barbasol is, that's my backyard. So Jeff knew that. I was like, hey, can I get an extra day off for my family or just an extra day off? So, In case it's a Monday finish, you know. Sure. No, I can't let you do that. Why not? Well, that wouldn't be equitable. Equitable? I'm using my PTO. (laughs) What do you mean not equitable? Well, nobody else gets to take nine days off in a row. I'm I'm not taking off. I'm at a tournament working. Like, you're sending me to a tournament to work. Yeah. Technically, I'm only taking one day off. I'm just taking an extra day from your golf course. Right. So... From then on, me and them just never really saw eye to eye on huh. anything.
0: Well, I think it's I think it's a good thing and a and a and it's something that uh, that you can learn from if you ever get back in the situation where you'll handle things th- differently when you're in that mm-hmm. situation where people come to you because I believe and that was a that was a, something very positive that I learned early on was is that you had to you had to you know. Hum- have some humility you had to see people that were on your staff a lot in a different light you know I I said my door was always open nothing was out of bounds if something happened and I said something or I offended you or upset you you can come to me you're never going to be judged by it Um, family always came first Um, I felt
1: dehumanized when I got there yeah or once I left there I felt Dehumanized. I felt like it was I was just a piece of equipment. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, that's what it felt like.
0: And I and I wouldn't be shocked if that's how they treated everybody. Not in, it's just a culture thing. It's yeah. probably it's probably not anybody's.
1: The way he worded it, he he basically has to. Yeah. He has to do the company method type yeah. of thing but to basically protect his own ass. Yeah. And I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. I'm I'm too much of a team guy to really just kind of. Not look at the obvious stuff in the room. Yeah. Like, oh, you're hurt? Okay. Maybe you shouldn't be walking 15 miles a day. Right. You just got done recovering from surgery. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be walking 15 miles a day because that's what he did to me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I finally, you know, had to go to the HR lady and was like, hey, man, this ain't right. <laughs> I'm, I ain't doing this no more. Yeah. And so I finally kind of poked up for myself. Yeah. And, And his excuse was, um, well, I didn't know you were hurt. I said, Jeff, I'm not hurt. I'm sore because I'm out of shape from not doing anything the last six weeks because I had a hernia. There's a big difference. I I can – all this stuff, This light work out here compared to cutting tobacco. Yeah. like It is light work. (laughs) Right. I'll fly mo for 12 hours a day before I go back to cutting tobacco. So he just – and I was like, you know, I was back for a whole week and no – not you, not your two lead assistants. Nobody asked me, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you sore? Do you feel okay? Not once. And he's, his reply was, uh, well, I don't have to.
0: Hmm. How'd that make you feel?
1: Like a piece of equipment. Yeah. Just, oh, he got fixed. Put him back out there. Yeah. That's it. He had me, you know, every doctor I'd seen from like, don't push pull or lift anything for six weeks and yeah. the seventh week he had me spreading fertilizer rotary spreading right so i'm like lifting 50 pound bags <laughs> putting them into a hopper and yeah. then pushing that 50 pounds and it was cart path only yeah so it was like dog like you're making me do what the doctor just told me not to do yeah almost on purpose because we have plenty more able-bodied people to do it Yeah. obviously because i've just missed the last six weeks so why am i doing it and oh you're a second assistant you should be doing it okay man yeah. whatever is so that at that point just put me on the tractor blower or put me on the spray rig leave me alone yeah and that's how my time ended there so
0: yeah that's unfortunate because i mean at the end of the day i mean you have a passion for this business and the the sort of the I don't know what you call it, not not if it's a management style or just the way things kind of work. I don't know how you would label it, but, I mean, everybody kind of runs into that situation where, you know, you just don't feel like you're being seen or heard about what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to do. And and especially when, you know, you're there to – You know, maybe maybe it was a situation where they knew you was kind of on the way out, or maybe they thought they weren't going to have you very long. Who knows? Who has any idea? But it's a you know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I can promise you that I've been I've been there. uh, You know, not in the same necessarily. But you know, we've all been wronged. I mean, I've been fired twice. You know, so it's like heck. I mean, you got to figure out okay, what did I contribute to this? What part of this do I not understand? What part of this doesn't make sense? And then try to figure out how to, like, all right, I'm going to sit here and, you know, wallow in it and, and, you know, have some pity or I can get up and move on, you know, and figure it out.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, like I said, it was just an eye-opening experience at the end of the day. You know, I got to see the soft white underbelly of the industry. Yeah, And see the kind of ways they used to be, basically. Maybe it's just because I'm an old school guy. Yeah. I went through the old school ways. always, you know, first golf course job I ever had, I we weeded for three weeks straight. <laughs> and the, I'm surprised I didn't make you quit. And, the super, and I asked the super, I was like, you know, why, you know, why did it take three weeks for me to finally get on a fairway mower? He's just, I want to see if you're going to quit or not. Yeah. Like, there's only three of us out here. You can't afford to have me quit. What are you talking about? Right. So, I th- like, I, was, I ran into another guy like that, except he had, 60 guys at his disposal and he fe- he made people feel like they were disposable
0: yeah oh man well i'm sure something really good is going to come your way uh whether it's in this business or something that you can put your talents to and and uh, really enjoy and i mean i i, I believe that I, I i mean it's worked out for me and even when i thought it wouldn't i'm
1: extremely know. excited for my future but right now i'm more focused on just moving back home yeah and getting my baby out of my yeah. belly how now. how
0: long is she how how far along is she
1: she we had her 12-week checkup last week yeah. and we should figure out if it's a boy or girl here soon
0: oh sweet what are you hoping for don't care. matter it doesn't matter is this she your knows. first
1: child yes sir yeah can't i got wait. i got
0: three man i can't i got two girls and a boy and none of them are easy <laughs> but you know it is what it is i i mean they're all different and all i love them all but Raising the kids, awesome. It's an awesome experience.
1: I got a six-year-old nephew and a three-year-old niece. And yeah. I love them to death. Yeah, I can't. Was every time I got to leave them to go back to the Rochester, you know, rips my heart out of my chest.
0: <laughs> Why did uh, – so you didn't want to do, stay in the farming business at all and do that, or so was that ever an option?
1: Our farm total in size is 40 acres. My uncle also has a farm that's 100 acres, so – We've the farm has been in the Elliott name since 1936.
0: Yeah, is this up in Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so my dad's life goal has been to have a century farm. So we'll have that hopefully in 2036. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my uh, future endeavor right now is to try to turn my little 40 acre plot into like a six hole golf course for uh, Wilmore, my, the community that I'm from. Yeah. And I'd like to be able to introduce kids into the game. The same way Stallings does in Knoxville with his kids play free
0: program. Well, it's an interesting concept. That's what we had over in uh, Arkansas was a six hole reversible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was on about 50 acres. Um, So if you need a superintendent that I think would be great for it, I I think he's a great dude. uh, I can turn you on to him. Kai Golby. He is fantastic. Um, his dad was Bob Golby, who won the Masters, by the way. Uh, he's done a lot of cool projects, but uh, awesome. worked with a lot of the big time. He's a fantastic dude. Blake I, Blake and uh, Brian Schneider, Blake Conant and Brian Schneider worked on that project with us. But the six-hole concept was uh, – now ours was reversible, so we mm-hmm. could play it backwards and forwards. So it was tw- it was six-hole loops. You could play – and basically the 12 holes were individual holes, but on a small acreage, wide open – basically had um uh native areas that kind of separated no trees nothing um i think golf is
1: it's starting to become more fun
0: it's very I much mean, it's almost like yeah. bowling yep.
1: compared to golf like people are just looking for fun they're not really, i don't want to keep score i just want to play
0: yeah i mean we 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 looked at the different concepts of how to have different events and you when you have something where you can have different ways of doing things whether it be reversible or not six holes is an ideal amount of time people don't want to get out there and play for four hours anymore they don't want to do that i mean if i were building if i if land was not an option and i could build a golf course today i would have three hole loops and i would only have nine holes and you and and i would just you could just come out there and play i might even have parts of it lighted i mean just to have just to have uh, involve everybody I mean yes the pandemic changed golf for the good and we we survived through that um, you know when other people didn't but um, man the golf has changed to the point where it's open to new and interesting ideas and six holes is a fantastic concept I mean I would I would recommend looking at it reversible if you could do it
1: I want six green sites and 18 tee boxes yeah. I want a completely reroutable course yeah. every day Yeah, you know if it's almost, I've always wanted to envision a course. It's what would it look like if it was wall to wall fairway, yeah, or like wall to wall fairway height, and just b- bunkers placed and random spots all over the place.
0: I mean, it, it, it's a it's a passion of mine. I, I love it. I mean, um, I would love to own uh, my own golf course. I, I'd love to be the GM, the super, and the pro all at the same time, and just and, and have a hand in building it. I think it would be uh, a, a great way to end my life and to spend some time you know land here in Nashville and Tennessee is crazy expensive but that's an awesome thing man I I, I would uh keep me posted if that's something you ever do because I think that'd be fun
1: that's what I say I got 40 acres it's not big enough to really do crop production and I don't right. really want to do livestock because I don't have the heart to sell calves anymore <laughs> so I might as well do what I'm good at yeah. if I can Shape a course, and I've like I said, if I can re- learn how to run a dozer with this construction company, I might just try to do it in house.
0: Heck yeah! I mean, you know more than you think you do. I promise you. And, and just getting that done, and then you can have some some people consulting. You know, by the time you're all said and done, you built your golf course. You know? Just,
1: I've been waiting to uh, talk to Mister Bergen at yeah. the TTA here to pick his brain on the what what ideas I should have or not have.
0: Yeah. He's a good one, man. His name is Hot right now. He's been uh, he's been all over the place. I love. That's what I when I started out. That's what I wanted to be was a golf course architect. So I geek out on that stuff. I uh, really enjoy that side of the business and that and uh, just the creative side. I I think um, those people. I mean, obviously, when I was coming through in the '90s, they were building golf courses left and right. I'm glad I didn't end up in that business because I would have probably been out of a job. But um, one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me was by an architect. He said, go learn how to des- take care of the courses. And then if you want to design them, you can. So, I mean, I feel like if I stepped out there, I could design them, build them. I've seen greens being built. I've seen people run dozers.
1: And another aspect of it, I want a golf course designed for the superintendent. In yeah. mind. Like a golf course that's where there's no walk mowing. Yeah. A golf course where there's no bunker edging, no fly mowing. Like,
0: Whew boy that don't get an architect involved in i
1: know that's like i said what dealing with what andrew green did up there some of that stuff it's like man this grass is a damn near 90 degree angle i don't yeah. know how you expect us to keep this green
0: i stood out there some days and went kai man how are we supposed to mow this i'm like i don't even know what you're doing right now but you just fight them you know you just you just do what you can i'm like all right it's gonna cost us this you know it's a it's an interesting business it's been one that's been fun to be a part of and hey it is what it is that's you know.
1: a, another big thing i love seeing going to different tournaments and seeing how other people conquer those same problems you yeah. have and then oh well they did that over there i'm going to try to do that and yeah. then i learned that over here i'm going to try to do that and a lot of other people out there are smart and i've yep. figured out hey if someone's smarter than me go will pick their brain on what they learned and, or if they learned it the hard way go learn it from them so you don't have to learn
0: 100% I stole so many ideas from people I can't even count I should give them all credit but I, I would Every. Too,
1: I've got too many to, yeah. to say thank you to <laughs> oh,
0: yeah well you're, you're not done yet I promise you that but um, you know yeah there's a lot of people and both of us can kind of attribute a lot to where we've gotten to by the people that we've been come across and that's why I enjoy doing this podcast man it's uh, it's allowed me and, I, and it, one of the cool things is the people that I've gotten to talk to and just to hear their stories and their experiences and you can't ever cram it all into an hour hour and a half it just there's so much you wish you could talk about and there's you know what what level of things you want to say or get into and but at the end of the day just to hear people's perspectives what they've been through kind of the things they've worked through i mean everything is about Perseverance, challenges, making, working through things, you know, we all deal with life experiences and this business is unlike any other. It's just one of those things where it has the element of everything. I mean, it's it's heartache, it's disappointment, it's dealing with, you know, other people, it's it's having to control, you know, mother nature and never having control and, you know, adjusting and, and it's just so many moving parts and it and, uh, really keeps you on your toes. That's why everybody says, I mean, man superintendents are they can do a lot i mean you're not just a grass guy to go back to circle back to where everybody thinks we are it's like no we're electricians we're plumbers we're scientists we're you know communicators, communicators. Motivators, i mean like. all over the place i mean i didn't i didn't get these skills i mean sure i practice speaking and and doing these podcasts but i mean just standing up in front of your crew in the morning and talking about the day and you know and and having to you know sit there and you know give you know give some information or talk about an upcoming event or you know just just that practice there alone it just builds you the skills you need to, to stand in front of a room uh, at a you know a board meeting or whatever and present your problem or your you know what you're trying to figure out or do you know
1: public speaking is still one of the number one fears in the yeah. world and as a superintendent I feel like you need to do it every day yeah like you need to address your crew on an every single day basis yeah whether it's small talk or not small talk.
0: I, I, I agree. I, I, and I, I really want, I really, I see, I see people speak all the time and tell their story and talk about their life. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd be good at that or want to do that. I, I want to formulate a message and I want to f- be able to project that message to people because it's, to me, it's more it's not about the business per se. It's about helping others get through the things that I know they're going to get through or deal with along the way. I just, I mean, I've been doing it for thirty years. I just know that someone who comes in the business, especially now when they don't really have to earn a lot, you know, they're just given these jobs, and they, you know, uh, we were talking about it the other day about how interns they they will not go to a facility if they're not getting paid and they can't have a place to live and all this kind of high end stuff. I mean, I was, I mean,
1: like I said, it's the player empowerment era. Yeah. They know what they're worth. Yeah. So. I, I'm going to negotiate what I want until I get it it's just it's business it's just business I know what I'm yeah. worth please give me X, Y, and Z yeah
0: I mean it's, it's that's what it's coming to and you know I think I think it's good and bad and we'll figure out how to adjust to it but at the end of the day you know that's where it's at so you know
1: I think golf is still on the rise I think hopefully you know you can take this part out because it's my own personal opinion a lot of the older superintendents getting out kind of what I call the dinosaurs getting out and younger guys coming in that know all the stuff we just talked about. Cause I see it on Twitter all the time. Guys like their crews look like they're having an amazing time or yeah. what? Like, it doesn't look like it's work for those, for those guys. And then I go to work and just everybody was all mopey around, like at a top at a top a hundred course in the world. Yeah. And everybody looked like they were miserable all the time. Yeah. So I think it needs to be. It needs to start swinging into our direction of like how important it is, how important agronomy staffs are to memberships.
0: I mean, what do you think we do to change it, though? I mean, the people that are in the business that have given bad vibes and bad juju, they're not changing. That's what I
1: want to use social media for, too, because golf fans watch all that stuff. They watch the fried egg. They like most members. They're Listening to No Laying Up. They're watching this stuff. Yeah. And they're... Same thing. There is no exposure. So they don't know. Yeah. What they don't know, they're not going to care about. Yeah. If you put it in front of them, solve the problem. Yeah. Take this joke out. It's the Daniel Tosh joke. Like, you know, what's wrong with... You know why uh, the ASPCA commercials? You know why they do them with the Sarah McLaughlin music? Because it works. <laughs> uh, you make people feel guilty about it. They yeah. t- they give into it. Yeah. I'm not saying... do. I'm not saying... Show the guys suffering out there fly mowing, but if you could break it down, just how hard it is to get all this stuff done yeah. in a matter of three and a half hours with only X amount of people, and then expect that every single day, I we're just I've seen some more stuff like from coming from the USGA, like how to manage how your club's expectations versus what you actually have, right? And yeah, you have to show that stuff like as a superintendent. It is on you to track people's hours, track how long it takes them to do X, Y, and Z. And then when the membership has stuff to say about it, you have data to give them. Like, that's an invalid complaint. Like, I can't control that. Yeah. I can only control X, Y, and Z. I can't control how much rain we get or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like that's kind of what I did at Holston was kind of be able to meet in the middle of like, well, why can't we do a bunker project? Well, maybe because sand is fifteen hundred dollars a load. Are you willing to give up, get assessed ten to fifteen thousand dollars? Well, no. Okay, then let's learn to deal with what we got for now. All right. And so they kind of came around on that, and the it was a very good relationship between our agronomy staff and the membership. Yeah. So.
0: Well a lot, a lot a lot goes into be to to be said for guys like Ryan who are, you know, top notch in their field. They they know what they're doing, they know how to treat their people, they know how to communicate to their membership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you can have a great experience and you that there's a lot to be said for that.
1: And you know, a lot maybe it's just that age of superintendent, a lot of them are non confrontational. Yeah. They're worried that if I do, I'll get fired. Um, so they're kind of afraid to say no right? to a lot of requests. So they just say yes, just to, just to do it. And then they end up working themselves, overworking yeah. themselves. And that's why you see the divorce rates still up. Like, <laughs> that's why you see, it's just a fact. Yeah. Like, like you have to look at the numbers. If you're getting into the industry, you have to know what could possibly happen. Right. Good and bad. Yeah. So like what got me in got like, oh, you know, I saw the dollar sign. The average superintendent made 120 a year when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, that's a lot." And then I got to see the bad side of the industry. I'm like, huh? "Is the, all that money worth that much time?" And y'all, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's in an eye of the beholder.
0: Well, I'll say this: I I have uh, put some perspective on it, and it would take a lot of money, and it's not just money. To drag me back to it, because it's not money's not everything, Um, and uh, you know i I thought, I thought, because we have, you know, basically we have, you know, the high end clubs are pretty much all private. You can you can join a place or work for an individual home, you know, owner who's got tons of money and he spends his you know, most public facilities are, are the way they are. They're in it for the profit. So they're not going to spend a ton of money and they're going to have a lot of, you know, you know, very limited resources. So all of that difficulty in dealing with the private clubs and, you know, having to appease one person and, and all that, man, it just wears on you and it, and it never lets up. And and <laughs> Yeah, it causes you to lose your hair, I promise you. <laughs> um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's like I said, I just I don't know. I've had enough of it. I've had a feel of it. And I, I think the only way I would ever go back to it is if I did it my own and spent my own time doing it and um, building my own course, running my own place. Um, I never say never to anything because tomorrow somebody could call me and it'd be the, the uh, uh, a heck of an opportunity. So I never say never, but I'm in a pretty good spot where I'm at. It's
1: the same back home as uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure does make misery a whole lot easier.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, um, what do you think about this? Uh, the, the game will be over by the time this comes out, but uh, let's let's put our projections on the uh, on the national championship. What are you thinking?
1: I just about? need the over to hit. I don't care who wins.
0: The over. How much you got on it? 50. There you go.
1: Yeah. I got it. It's enough to make, get the, get the thumber going. Makes, makes the
0: uh, night a little easier. Yeah. What is the over? 55 I, or something? 56? I
1: adjusted it to get better odds at like, I think I got like 63.5 or 64.5. Yeah. So yeah. I think both teams are going to run it up. Or, or either that, or Michigan's just going to blow them out and run it up. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I don't know, man. I, I
1: always cheer for points. I don't yeah. want to cheer for defense. I'm not a defensive minded guy. I want to score points. <sighs>
0: It could be a lot of points tonight, so we'll see. I I, I think I, – I don't know. I don't have a gut feeling either way. I think Washington wins. I just – I think offense in this day and age beats defense. But Michigan's tough, man. They beat Alabama. That was probably the hurdle they needed to get over.
1: The biggest thing I want to see is, you know, everybody says, oh, I want to see a good game. Okay, right. enhance that. I want to see, like – I want to see guys make plays. I don't want to see defenses, you know – Drop interceptions. I don't want to see guys drop balls. I don't ever want to see anybody mess up. I'll celebrate it when it happens in my favor, but (laughs) I don't want to see of kind of like a oh if if he would have caught that this game would have been different. I don't. I hate when excuses come up in like debates and whatnot. Well, if he would have done it, well, he didn't do it, so (laughs) you can't change that. Yeah. So I just want to see guys make the plays, make the plays you're supposed to make. I don't. I never liked missed assignments.
0: No, no, I, I want to see a good game. I want to see a fun game. Um, like tournaments, no, no yeah.
1: callbacks. I do not want to call back.
0: Yep. <laughs> I, I'm just disappointed it's the last game of college football. It seems like it, just like that, and it's over. I, I don't understand it, man. It just football goes by so I just fast. I
1: wish they'd stop calling it college football. Just call it, just call it the semi-pro. Yeah. That's what it is. Well,
0: it'll be that way soon, for sure.
1: Just make it two divisions, yep. uh, basically the North and South, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 combined, the SEC, Big 12, and – and, and ACC kind of combined, yep. and then you got two super conferences, and, oh, you got a Super Bowl. Yep. It's the same thing.
0: It, it'll get to that. Uh, it, it, my guess is it will. It's too much money involved, man. It's too much money. Kids are making – I mean, nowadays, that kids don't even have to go pro.
1: My biggest thing is I wish they'd take – so you have the New Year's Six Bowls. That's cool. Now you have 12-team playoff, even better. Take all the other bowl games – and put them to the beginning of the next season. Yeah. That's more on the line than, oh, this six and six team and now it's seven and six. No one, no one cares. Right. Unless it's just the alma mater. Other than that, no one really cares who won the 07 Music City Bowl. <laughs> I, the only reason I know who won is because Kentucky won it. Everybody else, nobody knows that stuff.
0: I wouldn't have known. I don't, I don't pay no attention to that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, so instead, why wouldn't those two same teams play to start the next year? You start new rivalries. You start new out-of-conference schedules.
0: Man, you're onto something. We'll see. I think there's a lot, uh, especially if they if they separate it from all other sports and they start looking at it more as what, how can we make it the best possible situation? I think all that's on the table.
1: The thing is, like Cardale, stop making them go to class. If you're if they're just there for football, they're just there for football. It's up to them if they want to do class or not. Really. I mean I know plenty of guy or even guys I play with at Moorhead, they're all four years, didn't graduate. Yeah. They're just there for football. I'm just there for football. That's it.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, man, I appreciate you doing this. Um uh, I I look forward to hearing your speech or talk on uh on Wednesday. Um you know, is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to...
1: I'm not going to talk about me so much at the presentation, I can tell you that. Come on, man. Everybody wants to hear about you. <laughs> I'll do a little bit, but not not as much.
0: I really enjoyed the um, the Navy SEAL, uh, Jason. Yeah, that's, a, that's always something that interests me, just to hear people's perspective on life and how it can move you through life and deal with challenges and situations. Those are, I mean... I. I, I bore people with my positivity and my stuff like that but I think it's that's
1: You know compared to sitting on that beach like he was talking about yeah. I don't think I'll rather edge bunkers. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I,
0: man, it's a different breed of people that are cut out for that for sure but uh man thanks for uh doing this. I uh, appreciate you it's been nice meeting you and talking with you and uh enjoying it and uh good luck with the fatherhood and all that good stuff Absolutely. and the, and the move and uh we'll um we'll have to uh figure out if we got any ties that we know that your wife knows in Martin because I've spent a good amount of time up there so very good I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll might have some to circle back on eventually
1: yeah thank you very much for having me on sir
0: all right my man well best of luck with everything I appreciate you uh, uh, like I said coming on and uh, that's it for the episode, guys. If you haven't, uh, if you made it this far, appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks for everything. Available anywhere on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. I uh, really enjoy doing this for you guys. I hope you find something useful in it. And in, in all fairness, I don't care if you, you know, find – Anything you want to talk about? Anything that uh, is out there? All I ask is that um, you share it. If you find something useful, let somebody know about it. I'm really trying to get the word out there about our industry, the people that are involved in it. David was a uh, uh, gracious uh, to come in and sit down and chat and and uh, have a, a blast talking with him. So, like I said, just man from the bottom of my heart, thanks. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for all the likes. Thanks for all the shares. And uh, until next time, man, it's making it the turn on. Talk to you soon. Set food, miracle, me? the miracle, the miracle,
1: the miracle, miracle